everybody, and welcome to this Christmas Eve Eve special edition. Yes, that's two Eves there. I did not misspeak. Of the Media Boat Podcast. Hi, uh, this is December the 23rd, as you may have deduced. 2020, we are mere days away from the end of 2020, the end of December, and the end of the holiday season. Um, thank you for joining us on this fine uh, holiday week. The Media Boat Podcast, in case you're not aware, is a podcast about music, video games, television, and movies. Not necessarily in that order, an order I just made up. And my name is Matt, and his name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. You did that on purpose. Kind of not, but... Also, if you're not celebrating Christmas Eve Eve, hopefully (laughs) you are out celebrating, or probably not actually out celebrating, but enjoying Festivus today. (laughs) It's for the rest of you, from what I understand. Um, after this, I will have a Festivus <laughs> feast. Oh. Don't know what it entails yet, but... You'll find out. I'm sure lots of alcohol. Oh, well, Maybe, perhaps. Maybe. That although, was the initial uh, assessment. Although I don't recommend that for you. Uh, I know your schedule is family day after family day after family day for the next three days. That's why today, Festivus, is <laughs> personal day. <laughs> what I'm saying is I don't recommend drinking a lot because you feel busy few days ahead of you well i'm not gonna be drinking around family (laughs) yes i know but you'll be recovering around family which to me sometimes is way worse uh but with eggnog that is not the case Mm, mm, mm. always delicious delicious eggnog. hair on that hair on that nog if you will (laughs) anyways we are ready for the holidays (laughs) which means very light news week which means very short show yeah, this should be a very short show, so why don't we get it done so that way you can move on and enjoy the rest of this holiday week with your family. Real quick note, though, one of the traditions here at the Media Boat Podcast for the upcoming holiday week is the year-end wrap-up podcast. We are about to wrap up recording those themselves. They will be starting to come into your podcast feeds very soon. If you are new to the podcast, don't know what that is. It's all in the name. Does what it says on the tin. The year-end wrap-up is an opportunity for us to wrap up the year that was. Talk about our most interesting news stories from each of our categories, as well as our top five favorite things in all of those categories. So if you're a podcast subscriber, it should appear in your feed. If you're new to the podcast, subscribe to one of our podcast feeds, and you'll get all of those lovely podcasts for listening for your listening pleasure during the holiday week so look forward to that the first episode will be this saturday the 26th we always put it yes. up the day after christmas mm-hmm. so look for that in your podcasting feeds yes put that in your podcasting feed and listen to it that's what i say but in the meantime listen to this podcast which will start right now with movies and we always start the movies with a non-existent box office, but there's kind of a box office this week. Maybe, sort of. There was a new movie. Yes, a new movie, and uh, fans of the video game section will be interested to know about this one. Monster Hunter, the big uh, Paul whatever Anderson WS. That's the that's the right one, right? Yes. Not, yes. Um, the man who brought you the... Resident Evil Films is now on the helm of the Monster Hunter adaptation for film. It made a uh, tidy $2.2 million in its first week here. 
and barely beat out the number two film Crudes 2 for 2.1 million. Yeah, so small potatoes, all things considered for movie box office. You should know that by now. Um, but the hey, potatoes. Yes, this potatoes. What, did no, you forget no, about some potatoes? No. Okay, well, potatoes. Not, not yet. But I guess there will be potatoes. Austin market potatoes. <laughs> um, yes, three dollars and fifty cents. I understand. Yes. Um, so yeah. Uh, so yeah. There you go. Uh, box office still kind of exists. And if you want to see Monster Hunter, hey, there's a drive-in near you that's probably calling your name. Coming soon, we do have one new or a uh, handful of new releases. Some of them are coming to theaters. Some of them are coming to theaters and your local streaming box. First up, Promising Young Women. Do you know anything about this one? Uh, no, but it sounds promising. Haha. ha uh, News of the World, which I believe is that's the Tom Hanks vehicle. Yes, Tom yes. Hanks um, Western, I believe. Yes-ish. I think it's around that time period. Yes. Um, is that on streaming as well, or is that just uh, theaters? I want to say Apple. Mm, Apple TV+. Plus. Um, Wonder Woman 1984, which we've reported on this podcast before, is a day one simultaneous release on HBO Max. So for you Maxers out there, you can go see that on Christmas Day. And also Soul, Disney Pixar Soul. Speaking of streaming exclusive slash theater available movie, that's one of those too on Disney+. Plus. So Disney Plus subscribers will be able to see Soul. No extra charge. So those are your new movies. Not bad. Yeah, we won't be doing this for all streaming, but because it is the Christmas weekend and noting that Wonder Woman 1984 and Soul are coming out this weekend, it's worth mentioning because who knows? We may be talking about them on end of the year wrap up list. Well, regardless if we talk about them on the year end wrap up show, we will definitely be talking about Wonder Woman and Soul next week on the proper podcast because I'm sure we will see both of those by week out. Yes, we um, will. Certainly. So look forward to that next week. Next week. But for now, let's move into te- uh, movie news where we have a couple of stories here, just a couple of small ones for you. First up, we want to talk about. The studio, the man, or the studio, the myth, the legend, MGM. The Hollywood studio behind the James Bond and Rocky franchises, among others, is up for sale. This sound familiar? Uh, Yeah, Uh, because this has happened before. I believe we started the year with Mm -hmm. up for sale. Well, the price tag currently is at $5 billion, in case you're wondering why nobody's been a suitor quite yet. Studio had explored a deal back in January when preliminary talks were being held with Netflix and Apple, among others, companies with enough money to pay for that. But the price proved to be a stumbling block. MGM owns a library of 4,000 film titles and 17,000 hours of TV programming from Gone with the Wind and The Hobbit to TV hits such as The Handmaid's Tale. It made $1.5 billion in in revenues last year, so... That revenue number is nothing to sneeze at, but asking for $5 billion on top of that um, is a hefty price. Only the apples of the world can really jump to afford that right now. The other thing that's important to this is that you're not really buying MGM for future, like, future releases. You're buying MGM for the film library. Those 4,000 film titles include some stone-cold classics. MGM used to be a hard hitter. So to own that library is basically owning 
merchandise rights, IP rights for classic films. Right. And if you're wondering why you don't see Disney on this list, (laughs) I mean, they've been buying studios. I think adding one more would kind of put it as overkill. But if they do, they could at least bring back MGM Studios to their Disney (laughs) World lineup. Yes, the important things, a.k.a. the theme park that had MGM in its name. Yes. The only part I care about. No, I don't think, I don't see Disney doing this because I feel like this year has been, um, they've been hit hard in the wallet. I think of all the big companies, I think Disney, because they have so much of their revenue dependent on not only film releases, but also their theme park division, which hit a big, uh, which hit really hard, was hit hard this week, this year because of the COVID pandemic. I'd imagine that they are not in the shape that they were at the beginning of the year to do more acquisitions. I see this as a tech company purchase. I think that the Apple idea is right on. It would give them a movie studio and put them as a player in film, which is not something that they're in yet. Right, and that's something that they want to do. Netflix is already there with having purchased uh, actual movie theaters to play their own films. Mm -hmm. Even end of last year, they were getting into actual film space. So Apple is the one outlier there. Yeah, Apple's a player here. I also think that one name that's not mentioned here that could be a potential player here is is uh, Amazon. I would not be surprised if their name is tossed around in this court as well. Yes, um, Sony is also kicked around, but they're an international company. Yeah. Their Japanese company might not take a whole hearted approach in, a, in an American institution. Let's yeah. just call it what it is. Also, uh, yeah, also- I think... Uh, Apple or not Apple, mm-hmm. Amazon is definitely has the money to buy it. <laughs> yeah. But what I was gonna say though is that I think like regardless though, that number's coming down. I do not think that this purchase is going to be made at five billion dollars. I think that that you're going to see a smaller number. Oh no, four billion dollars purchase. I know. Yeah, oh that extra billion. Rats. Um, yeah, it's worth a lot of money. Definitely just the prestige um, involved in the MGM name, but I don't think MGM is going to get what they want. No, but I think, like you said, if Apple or Amazon want to be a big player in Hollywood, you get you buy the MGM for the name only, for the brand, for that collection, because it's an establishment in Hollywood that no theater is going to deny. That's true. That is true. Well, we'll see how this pans out probably sometime next year as this will surely uh, become a continuing story as it already has. Next up, a story that will probably not be a continuing story, but a weird uh, sign of the times from your local movie sets is um, about Tom Cruise and uh, something that happened on the, the, the uh, set of the new Mission Impossible film. Well, he apparently released a, un, a unleashed a profanity-filled tirade on the set of the film, Mission Impossible 7, untitled so far, after uh, the star of the film reportedly became, or wait, no, he is the star of the film. This is just written weird. Uh, he became enraged at crew members for not adhering to social distance measures. Although crews perhaps acted inappropriately, according to some, Beyond the actors yelling and cursing lies a deeper and truer point. The pandemic has ravaged Hollywood, and it continues to be a significant problem for making movies, especially when it comes to cost. As you might imagine, 
Mission Impossible being a big tentpole action release is expensive. It has a massive budget made by a giant studio. COVID still creates financial problems for the movie and the several companies that are working on it. Many smaller companies could be fighting for survival the longer the movie drought goes on. It's not easy or cheap to start and restop, or wow, to stop and restart and reverse that. Uh, a production, especially one of a big size, it could force the studio to shift money from marketing and spend extra to resume production. That, of course, would hurt the studio's bottom line, but more importantly, it could hurt the jobs of the people who work on the film from the cast to the crew. So this is just further example of the mechanisms that make movie movies work, make movie productions work, are way more complicated than many people believe. And the ball that start, started rolling back in April when we started having productions resume on films um, kind of opened up this Pandora's box of all these possible pro- ways it could go wrong. Right. Um, Hollywood did a brief estimate about how much it would cost to do all these COVID production mm-hmm. measures. About $1 million per film. So just tack on an extra million dollars yeah. to a budget. And suddenly, yeah, the big players, their big name studios can't play. But smaller studios like A24, Annapurna, Blumhouse, mm-hmm. who usually keep small budgets small, can't afford a $1 million price hike to an already yeah. tight budget. And that's why you see less of those names popping up when we're getting close to award season than we originally suspected we would going into 2020. Um, yeah, it's been tough. I don't blame um, Tom Cruise, somebody who is um, notoriously very invested in his films, especially the Mission Impossible films, and is invested to the point where he makes a tidy sum from them if they are successful. So he knows that his name is on the line here, his his welfare, more or less, even though he doesn't really need the extra money, is on the line here if this production goes south. So I suppose so part of me yeah I kind of with you Tom like yes yell at these people who are not following protocol but at the same time the people under you are people under you and that's an important thing to remember and they're people too with emotions and feelings so yeah it's a complicated story but it's been a complicated year and film sets are going to remain complicated until we're on the other side of this pandemic right and actually listening to his audio is he voices a lot of frustration. I think a lot of people feel about people who aren't social distancing and yeah. wearing masks. And it's kind of cathartic listening to it. It's like, <laughs> yes, I want to do that and just yell at yes. people. But I know I can't. And yes. he probably shouldn't have. But it's out there now. So yeah, like I said, it's a complicated issue. It's a complicated issue. Because yeah, I'm sure that a lot of the stuff he said was right on and on point. But where is that going in what direction it's like a tact thing almost to a certain extent like where's the power here where's the power being distributed it's it's complicated thing it's definitely a complicated thing um so yeah uh here's to hoping that this gets resolved sooner than later and sets become safer as we um get on the other side of this vaccine this vaccine and the pandemic yep all right on that note i don't think you watched any movies that's for next week that is definitely for next week. Um, so we'll table thoughts for movie I did thoughts. watch a couple movies, but that's because our end of the year lists are coming up and I need to make sure what I'm putting where kind of makes sense. 
Okay. Do you want to briefly briefly talk about those? Uh, no, it's just more Hamilton where I want to put Hamilton. Oh, you want Hamilton again. Okay, so you should said you rewatched things. That's what I said. I rewatched stuff. Okay. I did watch something new. Oh, uh, but I do have a question that I'll get to um, probably okay. post-podcast. Okay. And it's yeah, regarding let's... Parasite, if we should count that as this. No, that is, a 20, that is a 2019 film. Right, but it didn't get into theaters I... until 2020. I realize that, but because it was elig- it met the eligibility requirements for the Oscars, that means it does not meet the eligibility requirements for the Media Book Podcast. All right, because I've seen a lot of lists kind of put it up yeah. because of how few li- movies were released. But like I said, I'm, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I'm going to say no, uh, because it was so much in the conversation last year. Right. Well, that's also a film that I rewatched because okay. it's on Hulu. I I have to watch that at some point. That um, kind of I kind of lost well, it. It's on Hulu. Maybe you should watch it and then tell me if it deserves to be. We'll see. Uh, but I did watch something. I just wanted to briefly bring it up. Um, Netflix's um, Ariana Grande concert film, um, "Excuse Me, I Love You." Um, so that is a, a concert film, as I mentioned, um, for her Sweetener tour. Um, so it has, it's, and it's exactly what you think it is. It's literally just a concert film, um, kind of showing you what that tour was like. Um, so a lot of songs for Sweetener and Thank You Next are on that thing. Um, some back behind the scenes uh, footage, but not a whole lot. Basically, it seems like Ariana watched a reel of stuff that was shot back backstage and was like, yeah, that's funny put that in yeah that's funny too put that in so yeah just occasional uh shots of her on on her private jet flying to shows and backstage doing rehearsals uh interacting with um some of her team members including uh media boat enemy um manager scooter braun <laughs> um, who i who i booed when he was on the screen every time <laughs> uh, but yeah so uh, it's it's a fun show if, if you're a big ariana fan it's cool that this is available and if you missed out on the sweetener tour this is an opportunity to see it um so yeah it's it's cool that it exists i wasn't like super into it but then again i'm kind of middling on ariana lately positions didn't hit with me like i was hoping it would um but you know what are still good records sweetener and thank you next so it's it the stuff the material in there is very good and it's a fun show All right. so yeah that's on netflix now um starting as of yesterday compared to the other netflix film on there um from taylor swift this anthropomorphizing <laughs> americana that's the i was gonna say that is the name of grimes's record from last year yes <laughs> i don't know where you pulled that from your brain but okay they all both begin with miss so well miss americana is a documentary okay. uh, and it's more about taylor the person and does not actually have very much um concert footage at all the reason being of course because that would put money in scooter Braun's pocket so they chose specifically not to do that what so that is more of a uh, not even really that much of a backstage documentary. He does have some backstage stuff, but that is more of a, like, who is Taylor? Let's really get into Taylor's mind and talk to her. And this is just a concert this film. This is a concert film. Ariana In fact, Grande. I would like, uh, the better comparison is the Reputation concert film that Taylor did for that album that is on still on Netflix. Okay. Or uh, Beyonce's Homecoming, uh, which was also uh, on Netflix earlier this year. That's oh. That's more like what this is. 
Anyway, let's move on then, that we're done with that, and let's talk about some television news, and we always start television news with the Sports Corner. So, what is in the Sports Corner this week? Well, basketball fans, your very short wait is over. Uh, the NBA started again. Yes, officially. Tip-off was last night with the Lakers and Clippers and Golden State Warriors versus the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. Um, so, how long was it since the NBA championship? I want to say it's been like maybe five, six weeks. Uh, how many days? Oh, well, I don't know how many days that is. Uh, I mean, it's 30, 30 days-ish. 30 days-ish. Uh, 72 days. Oh, 72 days. Okay, so I was halfway there. <laughs> right. Almost there. <laughs> but yeah, 72 days since the Lakers won the championship. Mm-hmm. And then they had their ring ceremony on Tuesday. <laughs> their rings are fat and diamond heavy and huge. <laughs> and clearly a display only never wear this thing oh. actually outside. <laughs> yeah, no. Although, although try... Try to make LeBron not wear all his rings at once. <laughs> He'll do it. Put them all on one hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like Because well, that's how you get the Jordan picture where he's got right. all the rings or the um, Brady picture where he has all the rings. That's a Sports Illustrated cover waiting to happen right there. Oh, yeah, you know it is. You know it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, so basketball um, is on the airwaves again. So yep. uh, Fantasy basketball has started, so... Get on that. Get on that. If you're more of a college football fan, well, that continues to go on. The NCAA playoffs are set with Notre Dame and Alabama and Clemson versus the Ohio State. Yep. Um, Basically, they're looking for Clemson to beat up on Ohio State. So you get a rematch of last year, Clemson versus Alabama, Mm -hmm. or the three-peat of Clemson versus Notre Dame because they played twice already. Okay. Well, we'll see how that shakes out as we get into what's classically a college football season, which is the holiday week. So uh, we'll right. uh, have and holiday bowls come. and yep. bowl games are currently going on. Yep. Assuming the school will allow them. What? Well, yeah, that's still a great question mark. Right, because <laughs> one of the games, I think Clemson Ohio State, was supposed mm. to be a Rose Bowl game, mm. but the Rose Bowl is not going to have fans. Got it. So they're not going to have the Rose Bowl game, or they are. They're calling it the Rose Bowl game. But it's... But there's no Rose Bowl parade. <laughs> and they're not going to use the Rose Bowl and instead have moved it to AT&T Stadium mm. or a Cotton Bowl. And so I'm not sure they... if they actually switched the name of it or not. Oh. I mean, they can because just still call Christmas it Day. the Rose Bowl game and then not be at the Rose Bowl. It's fine. Right. Well, this last time this didn't happen was in 1944. Whew. I wonder but why. that was like right after Pearl Harbor attacked. Yes. Uh, and not Pearl Harbor attacked, Pearl Harbor got attacked. Right, right. And they saw anything on the West Coast being deemed a threat. Risk. A risk, yeah. high risk threat. Makes so sense. they moved it. But that was the last time. Yeah, it's been a long time, yeah. turns out. All right, moving on to our next sport here. Uh, hockey, uh, just like basketball, is about to restart again, but it has officially realigned its divisions for its 2021 season. I understand this directly affects and makes some weird stuff happening down here in SoCal. Uh, tell me about it. 
Oh, yeah. So we now have an all-Canada division. Right. We mentioned that last week. restrictions, which we talked about, was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Which means we now have a division for the East, the North, the West, and the... Canada. No, Canada's the North division. Okay. So we have East, North, West, and... The what? Go ahead. The south? You'd think that, but no. <laughs> it's the central. <laughs> central? Okay. There well, is I mean, no south. There are not that many southern hockey teams, right? Like, you have the Nashville Predators and dot, dot, dot. Dallas Stars. Okay. And uh, the Tampa if Bay Texas, Lightning. Yeah, if Texas and Florida count as the south. Right. But they're counting <laughs> that as, like, the east coast. And that's like central because of Chicago and St. Louis. Yeah, and that's like it, right? Right. Huh. Oh, there's there's more in there. Okay. Columbus. Mm. That's not that's not the South. I mean, in the South, that's it. Right. But yeah. they're only they're <laughs> able to do it because there's not officially 32 teams in the league yet. There's 31. Mm. So the Canadian division gets the one off right. because the Seattle Kraken are not in the league yet to make 32. Yeah. That is a 2022 thing. Correct. Interesting. Uh, and hockey starts on the 13th, January 13th. Players will report after the Christmas break. Okay. Well, look forward to that. Hockey fans. Yep. In the um, meantime... Also, because of that scheduling, yes. they can only play games in their division. The schedule came out today, and you have the Kings playing the Ducks four games in a row because of it. <laughs> yeah, that was the weirdness I was talking about. Yeah, that's... yeah. Wild. So because they can only play in division, and in order to limit travel, mm-hmm. they're playing back-to-back games against teams. Yeah. So they'll play a game, day off, play the same team, travel, day off, play the play a team, rest, <laughs> play the te- same team, travel. It's Jeez. a compact schedule. Sounds like against it. the inner division, and you play the same teams in that division. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say. Okay. Well, the last one we haven't talked about, of course, in sports is the National Football League. And, of course, that is still happening on Christmas Day. And three Saturday, day after Christmas games, are on their way to your TVs. Yes. No Thursday night game because that's Christmas Eve. Instead, we'll get a Saturday or a Friday Christmas Day game. Mm-hmm which will be competing with the four games from the NBA as that is their official unofficial tip off because Mm -hmm. everyone else kind of plays on Sunday (laughs) or on uh, (laughs) that Friday. Yeah. And yeah, that we get, this is also officially the fantasy football playoff weekend. Yeah. 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 I mean, one championship. (laughs) Hey, you know what? One is better than nothing. That's what I say. Well, yeah, but also I was supposed to be in two and got, Totally screwed over by my uh, quarterback, Derek Carr, running in for a touchdown, pulled up at the end of the first quarter, grabbed his groin, like literally like grabbed his crotch as he limped off into the uh, locker room, never to be seen again. And I lost because of it. Lost by four points. And those, because he left in the first quarter and didn't play the rest of the game, just 
Oh, it was such a plus matchup too, and I'm so mad. But there's always ne- there there has, now just on to next year. I mean, yeah. I've been sulking all weekend over it. It's okay. 2020 is a wash for a lot of things. And including... 2020 was supposed to be my year. <laughs> It'll be 2021. Just wait. I made myself a championship trophy here that's been <laughs> staring in front of me until I get the actual thing, which is back there. <laughs> uh, people who are watching the YouTube video version of this podcast got a very good glimpse of that uh, trophy that he made for himself. Uh, for the podcast listeners, you're just going to have to imagine what it looked like. I'm not going to describe it. It's a anyway, <laughs> that'll do it for the sports corner. Unless you have anything else to add for sports. Um. Oh, I'm playing fantasy basketball. That's not sports news. Well, I'm going to put in video game news then. <laughs> Guess who I got to my number one player then? Um. Is our media boat favorite? No, he is Mr. COVID. Oh, why would you do that? Uh, because Rudy Gobert is actually a good player. Oh, oh, oh. Fair enough. All right, let's move on. Uh, the man who shut down the league is my number yes, one pick. Because no one else wanted him. Moving on. <laughs> well, I was also at the back of the draft, so. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, call yourself, uh, you can call yourselves the like, the, the, the sanitized microphone. Uh, right now I'm balls and holes, but yes, I will be changing it. <laughs> balls and holes tradition. All tradition. right, let's move on to television news. And our uh, let's just say that it was a sh- slow-ass week of television because these yeah. stories. Well, you know yeah. it's slow-ass week when I'm talking about the CW. Yeah, or, or, or RuPaul's Drag Race in general. Yes. Um, yeah, your story, your first story, our top story this week of television is that RuPaul's Drag Race is still on television. Um, VH1 is set to simulcast the upcoming season premiere of Drag Race on the CW, MTV, MTV2, Pop TV, and Logo. This marks the first time in 12 years that the Emmy-winning reality competition will expand its broadcast audience. The Drag Queen competition will ring in the Rue year. See what they did there? Uh, uh, uh. On January 1st, 2021 at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Eastern slash Pacific, so I guess that's a simulcast all sorts of ways. Uh, the popular Emmy-winning behind-the-scenes after show, RuPaul's Drag Race Untucked, see what they did there, will premiere immediately following the season premiere. What? This is the material you'll give me? I'm going to have some fun with it, okay? Um, at 9.30 exactly p.m. what they say at RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> that one's only on VH1. Ahead of the New Year's Day premiere, fans can also tune in to VH1's Very Ruier Movie Marathon that will include films such as Clueless, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and Mamma Mia. Those are some bangers right there. So, uh, hey, if you want to watch some quality entertainment, uh, tune in to that. And I'm not even being sarcastic. Those are great movies. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, those will be interspliced with some uh, all-star cast as hosts. Oh, there well, you go. So, so, if you're really into RuPaul's Drag Race, yeah, you got quite a week ahead got, of you. You got quite the entertainment already set up, but yeah, very slow news week. Um, I mean, even the big story kind of rolling over was the TV stuff for the MGM deal of what that could mean. But we already talked about that in movies. Well, if that was not interesting enough for you, uh, here's a 
television series doing some good for uh, bringing some light on a cause. Sesame Street, always known for bringing light to causes and uh, for enlightening children and families alike, has unveiled its first Rohingya Muppets to help thousands of refugee children overcome trauma and tackle the impact of coronavirus in the world's largest refugee settlement in Bangladesh. Six-year-old twins Noor and Aziz Yasmin will feature alongside the show's famous characters, such as Elmo and Louie, in educational videos in Rohingya language and in the camps, according to Sesame Workshop, the nonprofit organization behind the show. According to United Nations figures, children make up more than half about, of about 730,000 Rohingya who arrived in Bangladesh in 2017 after a mass exodus from Myanmar and now live in camps in Cox's Bazaar. Quote, Nuor and Aziz are at the heart of our efforts to bring early education to children and caregivers, impacted tremendously by the dual crises of displacement and the COVID-19 pandemic, says Sherry Weston, the president of Social Impact at Sesame Workshop. So I don't have a whole lot of personal knowledge about this situation in Bangladesh, um, so I will leave that to the experts on another podcast. But what I will say is, hey, just per- further proof that uh, the people who make Sesame Street are on top of it, they're smart, and they know where the light needs to be shown. Uh, they've always been for the 50 years that the show has run. Right. Sesame has always been there to helping hand and to help children make sense of the world around them. I mean, mm-hmm. even when we talked about it a couple of years ago, they brought in a child or a mupp- Muppet puppet child um, who they dealt with with homelessness. And it's always a Sesame has always been on topic in what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's good that they're being educational, not just here in the U.S., but yeah, everywhere. International causes are something that get breezed past uh, here in the educational system at school. I mean, we lived through it. And there's so much focus on American history that global politics are only briefly brought up. Even in the global history years in school, it was very much like, here are the bullet points. Like the UK is a monarchy. Like this is how European, how the European like system works now. And like, we don't rarely get into, yeah, but what about the rest of the world? Right. And so um, even when you do take like you, you, world history classes mm-hmm. in school, they try and get you all the way up into World War II before you take your exit yeah. exams, yeah. start testing, what have you. And then right. the last couple of months, it's like, okay, here's everything that happened in the last 60 years since the last <laughs> World War. Yeah, Trying I always to come remember. Into stuff that you don't really care about, you don't know anymore. And that's the thing is I feel like there's a, that's a missed opportunity because I feel like I was, I'm sure other kids probably shared the sentiment, excited to get to the end of the textbook. I wanted to do cover the more modern stuff because that's what I was just naturally inclined to want to learn about. And we never did. And so, yeah, I think that... Um, Shows like this are, are opportunities for kids to get an eye on what's going on internationally, not just here in the U.S., that they aren't going to learn in school. Right, but to get to the end of our textbooks when we were in school, modern history was the 2000 election, which covered, <laughs> which you probably take a whole like college course on <laughs> in of itself right now. Oh, yeah, no, that is a college course at this point, I think. As well as 2020, as you've mentioned before, will be mm-hmm. a college course soon. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Anyway, we're not here to give you a college course. We're here to continue the podcast. 
And next up, you have some thoughts about a television show that you just wrapped up season two of. Oh, yes. Uh, The Mandalorian season two just had its season finale. Mm -hmm. And if you're not watching this show, you better have stayed off social media because goddamn was this thing spoiled everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what the spoiler is. Like, and I don't watch the show or care. Um, So that goes to show you how wide that reach is. But yeah, if you have Disney Plus, you're probably watching this. Right. And if you got Disney Plus renewed for the new year, this is probably one of the big reasons why you yes. got it. You got it. It's the flagship thing for the for the for the network. Yeah. It's the I mean, we're not gonna get season three until next Christmas. So literally we're still over a year away from yeah. season three. Yeah. Such a long wait. <laughs> but at the same time oh my god this past season was the best yeah uh, just so many good stuff um, Dave Filoni and John Favreau know how to make Star Wars they braved life back into what I was essentially writing off as a dead franchise of I am like because when the last when Rise of Skywalker came out I was like okay Maybe this is for kids. Maybe I've just <laughs> aged out of Star Wars. Maybe it's just not for me anymore. I feel like this is the this is the uh, thing that's happened to a lot of people in that fandom this year. And I kind of accepted it at last yeah. year because uh, even like last year when we did our end of the year list, I had saved a spot for Star mm-hmm. Wars, thinking it's going to be on my list. Got to be. Yeah. It's got to be. We had. And we right, talked at length. We had the Last Jedi yeah. um, be our number one film. Uh, for 2018, going into but 2019. Not so for the rise of the Skywalker. Nope. Oh. Wait, 2017. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, from what I understand, is you're not alone with saying that uh, the quality of the Mandalorian and what it's doing with storytelling and kind of link interlinking with other uh, franchises in the Star Wars franchise um, is giving people hope. But that's the thing, though even if you don't have any connection into other Star Wars franchises, Mm -hmm. it stands alone, just like bringing them in here and there. And immediately, because it's good storytelling, you can get someone's backstory in one to two sentences. Yeah, You can look at them and know what they've been through, through sets, through designs, through costumes, through artwork, and immediately like, okay, you're a badass character. I like what you're doing here. Or, okay, you're a shifty character. I see what you're doing here. Whoa, you're a fan favorite character. Let's bring you back. And there, it's just really good storytelling. And that's kind of what at the heart of Star Wars has been for most Star, for most fans is the story, the storytelling. Yeah. It's not necessarily the big fights, the the big battleship fights this the jedi the force the movements it's about telling a good story and having heart of your characters it's why marvel has been successful because they tell compelling characters driven stories it's not about the big flashy set pieces it's about everything in between that builds up to them and character motivation and character drive and characters interacting. And that's what the Mandalorian has. And I think a part of it is if you have 
I mean, I don't want to blow anybody's mind here, but if you have creative leads that actually care about the franchise that they're making and have investment in it and are interested in it as a like piece of like their like child, their own childhood, they're going to respect it more than somebody who maybe is just a big tentpole director who you hire because of the name. Just saying. Um, I mean, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're saying that creativity will trump mm-hmm. money every time? Yeah, I was listening to a podcast where they were doing, a, like, they were talking about this exact subject and they were kind of comparing, like, the thing that, like, basically, J.J. Abrams's approach to the franchise as opposed to uh, Filoni's approach to the franchise. And they said the key difference is, is that Abrams wanted his thing to be the original trilogy. Whereas Filoni wants his stuff to feel like the original trilogy. Because that doesn't seem, that seems like those are similar things, but they're really wildly different. Because when you look at the script for Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, it's very much beat by beat like, oh, these are things that happened before that an audience member can go, oh, it's like that other thing. But it's what I understand about again. It's, yeah, but what I understand what the Clone Wars and what the Mandalorian especially does is it's like, no, remember the feeling of the vibe that you got when this happened in Star Wars films? Well, we're gonna replicate that vibe, but with different new original things within that feeling. Right. It's the remember when like Luke trained in Dagobah? Well, we're gonna have a training sequence like that yeah. here. You remember like how you felt when like Darth Vader first appeared. Well, we're going to have the era mystery right here. And then mm-hmm. we have the reveal. You will get the same feeling. Yeah. And you're right. It's not beat for beat. This happens because it was already set in stone in film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're just going to recreate it for a new audience to be inspired by, not inspired by. Y- yeah. Like, where it's a, it's just a different way to honor a uh, existing material is what it is it's different takes on the same kind of concept and i honestly think yeah like this is prov- proving that this method works better is like you want to make fe- people feel like the thing not just remind them of the thing which i think right. is the problem that a lot of nostalgic uh media that's the thing that a lot of nostalgic media gets wrong is that they work so hard to replicate it instead of just giving you the same feeling like why you because like because as, as a studio to, executive yeah. it's easier to say yes do the same thing it made us yeah. money right it is rather it's than much easier oh you're going to try and make something new within the same vein yeah that's not a sure bet maybe it doesn't hit right whereas yeah. if you do the same thing we know that hits and that stifles creativity mm-hmm. as we've seen in years past where in 2019, it was nothing but sequels and prequels and reboots and franchises and remakes. Right. Well, I guess what I'll say is I'm glad it's good. I'm glad people are really enjoying it. It's so good. It's doing its own spinoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two spinoffs, I think, come from this. So far, at least. Right? So far, at least. And then even like when Dave Filoni was with uh, Clone Wars, that got spun off into Rebels, which mm-hmm. got spun off into Alliance, or whatever the new one was. 
which then also when it come back came back for its last season, got spun off into the Bad Batch, mm-hmm. and we also saw that being uh, spun off with Ahsoka, which was announced during the Disney Investors meeting. It's a lot that, from understanding and appreciating the source material of what Star Wars is and building in that universe. It's always what Star Wars was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not what it was turned out to be. Right. Right. But not I'm glad the, that this turned out to be like. Yeah. It's not hitting. the thing that the money making machine made it into. It's actually something that people can actually like feel like they used to about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad that's good. So that's a stream it. <laughs> I well, imagine. Yeah, it's a stream it. Also, it may or may not. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. It probably will show up on our end of the year lists. I mean, yes, uh, the audience doesn't know, uh, but I mean, we know. Uh, we know, but I'm also like talking a whole lot about it. But if it's not clear that I like the Mandalorian, yeah. it will show up again. The Mandalorian will return. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. All right. Let's move on and talk about some cancellations and renewals. Why a Did you not watch anything else? Anything I, new? I mean, no television this week for me. Um, okay. But what oh, we do real have... briefly, I did yes. watch the Grinch musical. That doesn't count. <laughs> Please don't watch it. It sucks. Yeah. Please don't uh, watch it. Needless I, to I say. want my hours back. Oh, you know what? I did watch one thing of television. I broke my um, my SNL fast uh, to watch because I knew Dua Lipa was on on yes. Saturday, and you know what? It was an okay episode. There were a couple stinkers for me. But generally speaking, I liked the monologue. I think Kristen Wiig was good. Um, and I liked at least a couple of the sketches. Well, I think so, that's because Kristen Wiig is just... Cause, and I think that that's what it was for me, is I was like, okay, this is somebody who is clearly helping out in the writing room while she's there. And you can tell from this quality because it's gone up a couple of notches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so no, compared to like both of the season, doing. this one was the better one. Yeah, I, I picked a good one to come in on. Uh, but yeah, that's all I wanted to say is that I watched that briefly. But um, also, Weekend Update still sucks. I still hate this in, in, like this in, uh, version of Weekend Update. I still think that they need to replace Colin Jost and Michael Che. I think they're, they've been doing the same bit for year after year after year now, and I'm tired of it. It's anyway. the bit that works, though. Yeah, but, for some uh, people. Yeah. Not me. Because <laughs> like... I'm not going to get it. I do not have time for me to go into the, the Colin Joe's Michael Che rant. So I'm not going to do it. Uh, let's move on into cancellations and renewals. All right. Unfortunately, what am I no SNL watching? is not on this list. Let's talk about what is, though. <laughs> First up, TBS is bringing back Full Frontal with Samantha Bee for a sixth season. CBS is bringing back, yes, you hear, hear, you're hearing this right. Kids say the darndest things back for a second season of, I guess, it's rebooted in, in, in iteration. Yeah, this was on ABC with Tiffany Haddish. It's being moved over to CBS. I see. I believe she is still attached to it. Okay. That's more than I knew. Peacock is bringing back AP Bio for a fourth season. So that'll be a second Peacock exclusive season. Correct. 12, uh, 12 Dates of Christmas on HBO Max, which is a thing I just learned about just now, is getting a second season. Uh, will it take place also at Christmas? Who can say? Well, this is Christmas in July, I believe. Mm, Christmas in July, and you love to see that. Next up, <laughs> Netflix is bringing back Lock and Key for a third season. So people, fans of that show should be excited. 
Yes, this is ahead of its second season premiere. And uh, Prime Video bringing back The Wilds for a second season. And HBO is bringing back its His Dark Materials for a third season, but that will be its final, will be its last. Right, I think there are only three books to it too, so So that makes sense. Not a whole lot of um, story left to tell on that one. Um, Also, uh, Virginia River gets a third season on Netflix, and The Flight Attendant gets a second season on Did HBO Max. Did I skip Max. those somehow? I don't know how I skipped those. After Christmas. <laughs> went from Christmas so distracted. To <laughs> so distracted by the one thing on this list that I knew what it was. Um, <laughs> besides AP Bio, I guess. Uh, let's move on uh, into, unfortunately, deaths. Just a couple this week. Doug Crane, age 85. He was an animator, worked on shows such as He-Man, The Smurfs, and Beavis and Butthead. So an 80s, 90s veteran there. Mm-hmm. And Katie Oslin, age 78, a country singer. Famous for 80s ladies, Do Ya and I'll Always Come Back. Won Grammys in 90, 1988 and 1989. Yep. So with that... Let's move on over to the music section and let's start with uh, the Billboard charts. And we always start the Billboard with the music and we always start the music with the Billboard and we always start yes. the Billboard with the Hot 100. It's, it's reflexive like that. It works both ways. Yes, it does. And <laughs> the number one song. Yes. I guess you can say she's back on top. Taylor yeah. Swift with yes. Willow. You can also say that she's a record setter once again uh, because... This week marks, uh, this is kind of a spoiler for the 200, but I don't care, uh, marks the first time ever an artist has debuted at number one, debuted being the key word, and number one at the same in the same week for both album in the 200 and single in the Hot 100. That's never been done before. You would think that that sounds like that's been something that's been done before, but that no, That sounds like something not. that's been done before. But it's not, no. That is, that, that is apparently this is the first time that's ever happened. Um, you know, I think I will believe that because, because they usually put the single out before the single the album. is an advanced release. That's the thing that happened with Folklore. She decided because she launched Folklore and or uh, Evermore and Willow at the same time that this was going to happen. Like pretty much no matter what, like she guaranteed this. So, so yeah, I mean, Fun fact. for all artists, right? Not just yeah, that's. That's, as far as I know, the first time that's ever been done. So, there so that you go. makes sense because it was a surprise release. Right. And they're usually yeah. not timed together. They usually have a week of buffer. So right. you have, oh, here's a new single. Mm-hmm. And then like, by the way, I have an album attached to it. <laughs> not here's everything all at once. Right. Exactly. But hey, all bets are off in 2020. What else is in our top 100 this week? Well, it's still Christmas time because <laughs> All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee, Heck. and Jingle Bell Rocks by <laughs> Bobby Helms are your two, three, and four songs. Yeah. So, what's number five then? Hey, I wonder. Well, it's not Taylor Swift. It's Mood by 24 Golden featuring Ian Dior. Because it had to be somewhere, and so it moved all the way back to five. Well, it wasn't Taylor Swift, and it wasn't a Christmas release. <laughs> right. Oh, by the way, if you're wondering where the rest of the uh, the uh, Evermore tracks are, they're elsewhere on the Hot 100. They all charted this week. 
all 16 tracks? All 16 tracks. Hmm. This hasn't happened since, let me check, uh, Post Malone. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Because uh, people were just playing his album on repeat. Yep. Uh, well, as for your Billboard 200, your mm-hmm. albums chart, yes, you spoiled it. Yeah. Evermore by Taylor Swift, your number one album. Yep. Number two, Man on the Moon. Three, The Chosen by Kid Cudi. Yeah, yeah. that debuts at number two this week, so just uh, missing the number one spot. I bet Kid Cudi was looking forward to that number one spot. Yeah, if this hadn't happened, I would imagine that, yeah, if Taylor had not done the surprise release, this would probably have been Kid Cudi's week. Yep. Instead, Taylor Swift gets two albums in the top five because Folklore tracks at the number three spot. Yep, Evermore Conversation was enough to resurrect Folklore uh, back into the top five. Yep. And then it's Christmas time because Christmas by Michael Buble at number four. And number five, that's what they all say by Jack Harlow. I don't know what they say, but that's what they all say. Well, if you didn't like any of those albums, which I mean, come on, it's Taylor Swift and Michael Bublé. We have new releases. Well, okay, we have a new release. New release, just the one. Whole lot of red by Playboy Cardi. It comes out on Christmas Day, so get excited. Or you know unwrap something worthwhile hey shots at playboy cardi all right let's get into some music news shall we yes why don't we uh like i said a slow week for music as well but uh there's still some important things to talk about here right like the save our stages act uh which is sponsored by senator john corin and senator amy klobuchar in the Senate and Representative Peter Welch and Representative Roger Williams in the House and championed by leader Chuck Schumer with 230 bipartisan co-sponsors in Congress, which passed late night, which passed late Monday night as part of the government's larger COVID-19 relief bill. My air quotes were for past because if you've been paying attention to this debacle is it's really unclear what what means to pass in the Senate, in the in Congress right now, and what means to not? So this bill is technically, as of this recording, did pass. That being said, it goes to the president's desk next, and he has strongly in like in like uh, hinted that he may veto it. Um, uh, so... He did. Spoiler alert. Oh, did that happen since I looked earlier today? Uh, this happened like at three o'clock today. So yes, then it did. It did happen since I recorded, since I was looking at the news. Um, so yeah, uh, needless to say, this was not. This is not a done deal. When I did this news story yesterday, this was a done deal. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Uh, let's see. Twitter was trending with. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, President Trump vetoes the seven hundred forty okay. billion dollar bill. Well, I saw that he vetoed a defense. The other bill, the defense. Okay, bill. so yes, there's two. There's one. a defense bill and yeah. a COVID bill. He vetoed so, okay, the defense so- bill. It was just, I was probably minutes away from that happening. Uh, but anyways, um, so yeah, the past, we'll, we'll see come this next week uh, whether or not this actually passes in some sort of form or not. But let's continue with the story as written as of um, uh, 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 December 22nd, 2020. Right, because the act will bring, or would bring, 
would have approximately <laughs> 10 billion dollars in relief to America's independent concert venues not the ones owned by public or large companies that have been mostly shuttered by the pandemic since mid-March. While the act is not a cure-all, it provides much-needed relief to venues, most of which haven't received federal aid since the payment protection plan loans back in the spring. If they If they received them at all. Yeah, we know what happened with those. Yep. Quote, this is the lifeline our industry so desperately needed to emerge from a devastating year, said Dana Frank, owner and CEO, First Avenue Productions, and board president of the National Independent Venue Association. Quote, Without independent venues and promoters across the country working to engage their communities, staff, and artists, our voices would not have been heard. We are thankful for those tireless efforts. Careers came to a standstill overnight, and people continue to face personal hardships which is why legislation like this and extending pandemic unemployment assurance is essential. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe this is also part of the Chuck Schumer um, protest, not protest, gathering in New York Yeah, that he's we had reported s- on earlier. Yeah, he's been seen um, as a strong proponent of the bill. Um, and yeah, it was kind of an addition, um, like many of these additions, uh, that was pulled, pushed into this larger, uh, COVID relief bill to kind of cover a wide spectrum of things that needed relief right now. Um, and yeah, so it was very, very cool that this thing looked like for a second there that it was going to be, uh, passed. So yeah, like I said, we're still going to have to wait a few more days to figure out, uh, Congress will reconvene uh, now that the bills, these bills have been vetoed uh, for a revote. Um, so we'll see if um, the pressure that is being put on um, the government, the government um, for more, more of these um, assist, more assistance, like a larger uh, stimulus package and stuff like that, gets any headway. Uh, but yeah, we won't know until uh, that happens in the coming days. But yes, this is a piece of legislation, one of the few pieces of legislation in this, in this larger bill that I think is 100% the right thing to do. Um, these places do need this assistance and they need it soon. Right. And I believe Congress, or at least the House of Representatives, will be reconvening yes. tomorrow, Thursday, yeah. to vote on more bills. Yeah. I'm not sure if the Senate is going to come back because they've been set on Christmas break, but I assume they would. Because if the defense bill gets vetoed, they would need to come back in order to approve it, which means, hey, you're in session. Let's vote on these other ones while you're here. Exactly. And yeah. Or, you know, it could just be graveyarded by Mitch McConnell. (laughs) We'll see. I mean, that seems likely, uh, but we will 100% have to wait and see because if anything, if I've learned anything over the course of this year is that I don't understand the mechanisms of how congress works and how congressional votes happen it's all a mystery to me because hey speaking of things that aren't taught in schools (laughs) this is one of them um well if you're curious at all okay you know that what i'm saying though is that there's a difference between the big picture stuff that we are taught and the very small inner workings like um oh yeah no the big picture is the house writes the bills Right. The Senate approves the bills, mm-hmm. which goes sent to the president who yeah. initially ratifies the bills. Right. Or puts the bills into law. 
and then it goes to the judiciary system to see if they're constitutional or not. Yes, that's the big picture, the version. But there's a lot of smaller so that's a things. Very simplified. Yeah. Oh, fifth grade. Right. Uh, simplified version of your... the schoolhouse rock take. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a bill of politics. Anyways, we need to move on because we've talked too long about this. But yeah, we'll see. We'll check back in next week yep. to see if there was any movement here. Uh, but for now, this is what we know. Yep. All right. For now, we go to our second story where there is in a sig- there's collaboration happening. A new platform is afoot. Yeah. But significant. Go I was just gonna say, but it's not something that us as consumers really are privy to. This is very in industry stuff that's happening here. Is it so inside baseball? It's left field. Yeah. Well, in a significant and much needed <laughs> collaboration, the two leading performing arts organizations in the U.S., ASCAP and BMI, have teamed to launch a new data platform called. Song view, Song which view. provides a more transparent view of copyright ownership and administration shares for most of the music, both songs and other music compositions licensed in the U.S. data used in so- uh, license in the U.S. Data <laughs> used. <laughs> uh-huh. Data used in Song View has been vetted by both. Uh, performing rights organizations and will feature a green check mark to indicate an quote agreed upon view of detailed uh, aggregated and reconciled ownership. Between the two organizations, the database accounts for more than 20 million musical works and includes a breakdown of shares by ASCAP and BMI. In addition, users will be able to view information relating to songwriters and their affiliations, publishers, performers, alternate song titles, ISWC and IPI codes, BMI and ASCAP song IDs, if applicable, (laughs) and publisher contact information. Shares by performing rights organizations like SESCAP, and global music rights will appear as other on Songview or will reflect that the ACE cap at BMI shares don't add up to 100%. So I have two things to say about this. One, I'm sorry for making you read all of that because who the hell knows what this is talking about unless oh, you're somebody who this is This is very... revenge for me making you read all those legalese stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's very inside baseball, as you said. Um, but the other take I have here is, wait, this didn't exist already? I mean, I think it did exist. It's just not easily not accessible together. because they use licensed songs, licensed U.S. data. Mm-hmm. But if that's always behind a paywall or not yeah. easily accessible or searchable, this is just an easier way to do that. But yeah, I would imagine, though, that for people who are on the inside of this, working for these corporations or working for music labels who need to have this information at a um, at an arm's length um, this is probably great news because it consolidates all this information to one platform right um, that platform again is called song view which is a good name I think that's yes. a good strong simple name you can view the song the history <laughs> of a song you need to view a song here you go go to song view 
Um, it's like the Wikipedia of songs. <laughs> yes. Except you don't get lyrics. Except really just about copyright. Really. <laughs> just copyright. It's like, who owns this? Oh, Songview. Who da, da, owns da, da, this? Da. Who's getting uh, royalties this. from this? Yeah. Where's this going? Who do I need to contact to use said song? Exactly. I bet this is something that people who are doing um, music releases for film and television will have to know about. This is something they'll have to use. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's also very helpful for those who are, uh, you know, independent filmmakers too, looking to use um, or probably looking to license songs that aren't from like the big artists but you know you need to know where to go to get that yeah easy or made easier yes but this is definitely my this is a slow week can you tell story oh legalese (laughs) is always a slow week (laughs) anyways let's move on anyways um thoughts i was supposed to listen to the kid cutty album (laughs) i didn't because eminem dropped a surprise album yeah that happened but I didn't listen to that either <laughs> because well, my yeah. list has been overtaken with Christmas stuff. Yeah. It's Christmas it's the season. Songs. It's that's the season. Uh, I mean, we may, yeah, maybe we'll get back to those releases, but probably not just know that, that they existed. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I'm pointing them out here because yep. surprise releases are surprising. It's very surprising. I'm it's surprised. getting windy out there. Anyway, Anyways, uh, wow, we are speeding through this thing. Yes. Let's wrap it up with video games, shall we? Let's, let's with our first story here. Uh, well, no new releases. In yeah, no new games. releases. Not until uh, um, January 11th, I believe, is the next major release. That being said, if you're looking for any type of deal... Am I? Look at Steam, because their holiday okay. deals are going on. PlayStation Network is currently having or PlayStation Store is currently having its deals and Xbox Microsoft Store is currently having its deals. So, so it's sale city. Sales galore. Or you know, wait until you see what you get for Christmas and then go online and get all these deals. Yeah, I don't need to worry about that. So I can just <laughs> look at I can just look at stuff and see if I want anything. Yep. Cool. Uh but yeah, basically that's what's gonna be released into your library. Yeah. Deals on deals, deals. Deals on deals. Deals on deals. But what will be released, or at mm. least accepting people very soon, I think February they said long. Yes, February, I believe. February. Is Super Nintendo World. World, yeah. world, world. <laughs> so, last Friday, we got a surprise Nintendo Direct. Which had nothing to do with video games. Well, I mean, not nothing to do with video games. That might be an exaggeration on this writer's part. But they had no game released to right. talk about. Yes. Because instead it was a 15-minute tour of the Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Japan in Osaka. Yes. In the video, Mario creator himself, Shigeru Miyamoto, Walks around, walks us around a good chunk of the park, including the Mario Kart AR zone called Bowser's Castle, a trippy underground area where it looks like you've been shrunk, mm-hmm. a gift shop, 
<laughs> and a big cafe run by toads. I love, I love that there's a toad cafe. That's so cute. As Miyamoto wanders through the Super Nintendo world, he shows off some of the ways you'll interact with the environment. For example, you can buy a power-up band and punch blocks for coins and then track your activity on an app. Miyamoto also shows how to hit POW blocks at the right time to collect a key near a Koopa. Collect enough keys and you'll get to do battle with Bowser Jr. And there's a lot more in store. Some of these coasters are fun looking. Yeah. Also, currently only in Japan and they'll be accepting people in February. Yeah. I think the most interesting part about this to me is that they're actually going for it and gamifying a lot of it. Because mm -hmm. if you're going to make a theme park based on video games, you want to make it interactive, right? And so I think there's some neat ideas with how they want to make it interactive. The one caveat I will say is, and to be fair, there is a, um, a precedent for this. Just like the Harry Potter world, in order to interact with some of the secrets, you do need to buy something. In the Harry Potter world, it's the wand that you need to buy to interact with the magical things that you can activate throughout the park. And this version of that is this power-up band. You can't do any of the like the gamified stuff with the punching blocks unless you buy it, which kind of sucks. Is It's just another way to get to fleece your, your customers and make sure that you get another $20, $30 out of them. That being said, it's a neat idea. And I think that stuff like that is going to be the like the killer app here, like the killer reason to go and visit this park. Even if it wasn't just like, it's already Nintendo themed, which is cool enough for a lot of people, but this is that extra icing on the cake. That's like, oh, this makes it different from anything that Disney has to offer, for example. Right. Uh, Miyamoto did note that even though it's opening in Japan, there are plans for it to appear in yeah. Hollywood and Orlando, where the other two Universal Parks are in the U.S. Which makes sense. They just need to build them first. Also, yeah, they need to see how well this one right. does. It's a combination of things. But yeah, it's a, Nintendo brands are international. Have They have international appeal. It's only a matter of time until we get them here. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big invest, investment for the parks to make. And especially with everything being delayed thanks to COVID, It'll be a while till we see anything. Yeah, but you know, that is a fun video. And it definitely does a good job selling you, making you want to go. Yeah. Also, the uh, Mario Kart AR headsets with the big Mario hat and glasses. It's fun. hilarious. But yeah, looks like fun. When I do go to Japan for the Olympics, I'll be sure to check this out. <laughs> we'll see if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get to the actual story of the past week oh boy and this is part two from last week so two weeks ago we noted cyberpunk 2077 was officially being released mm -hmm. last year we noted last that year last year it does feel like last year it does feel like last year <laughs> last week we yeah. noted that the game was pretty buggy and people were demanding refunds well <laughs> consoles didn't like that <laughs> companies didn't like that no sony didn't like that definitely not they didn't like it so much they decided to pull cyberpunk 2077 from the playstation tour until further notice <laughs> 
and offering refunds to players who request them. The news comes via the official PlayStation website offering refunds to anyone that bought Cyberpunk 2077 on the PlayStation Store and wants their money back. Quote, Sony Interactive Entertainment strives to ensure a high level of customer satisfaction. Therefore, we will begin to offer a full refund for all gamers who have purchased Cyberpunk 2077 via PlayStation Store. Sony Interactive Entertainment will also be removing Cyberpunk 2077 from PlayStation Store until further notice. The developer, CD Projekt Red, has responded to Sony pulling its RPG from the store by reassuring fans that they are working hard to bring it back. (laughs) The statement, which you can read further below, also confirms that you can still buy physical copies of the game online or in stores, as well as promising (laughs) that the PlayStation version of the game will still receive updates. (laughs) <laughs> so they noted that they were going to patch it, and PlayStation basically said, well, developers said they were going to patch it, so the game's not broken. <laughs> but too many players complained. Yeah. Um, yeah, the likely scenario here is that Sony was sick of people coming at them about refunds. And so they probably get, thought about it, had a meeting, and was like, well, clearly if there's a reason that this game is being requested to be refunded by so many people... We should just pull it off the stores so we, we can at least clog the leaking for just a little bit until they get their shit together and fix their game. That's what, I mean, it makes sense. Um, so yeah, this was... You can't refund a game if you can't buy the game. Right, exactly. The, think, the thinking meme. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, the, the, I think this was, um, it makes sense from Sony's perspective, from, but from an outsider's perspective, from like the industry perspective, it makes it look like an even bigger mess. Because when you think of games that have gone through similar buggy releases, very rarely are they pulled from the stores. Like in most situations, it's just like, oh, they just, you just hear a lot of people being like upset and that's, that's that. The fact that Sony thought it was a big enough trash fire to pull from their stores is a big part of the story and the reason why it's getting so much traction. Um, CD Projekt Red is a big developer, and this is what's supposed to be the big holiday release. Right. So, yeah. yeah that's bad. They definitely are going getting, getting out of 2020 looking really worse for wear after all this has happened. Now... Did something like this similar happen with The Witcher 3 when it came out? That it was so it was never pulled from buggy. stores. The thing with The Witcher was is that it wasn't broken. It was still playable at launch. But a lot of people complained about the movement speed of the characters. And so that was something that the, they did patch after release. And it was a big deal for players of the game because it did con- change the way that the game physically controlled. That being said, the comparison is not really a fair one to make because that was still a game that was a very quality product when it was launched. Just some people didn't agree with the decisions they had made design-wise about the movement. Here, it's the opposite problem, right? It's like the design decisions are what actually people are praising about the game. People say that what's there that works, that they can play, is actually pretty decent. That's why you saw a lot of sevens, a lot of eights for review scores is because the game itself is not terrible. It's just that the fact that the game 
barely works on consoles is the problem. PC version, say what you will, it has its own share of bugs, but at least it functions. Like the bugs that people are seeing on the console versions practically make the game unplayable. And so it's created, a, you know, an air where Sony just had to make the decision based on what they knew. And what they knew is enough people are saying that this thing won't work for them. It makes sense. Uh, Microsoft has not gone to the extremes that Sony has. They are not pulling the game. Uh, they do have a warning, though, on the game's purchase page that some people have basically saying, hey, before you buy this, know that enough people have complained. They are also being a little more lax about the refunds on their console uh, platform as well. Um, you also see retail stores getting in on the action. Both Best Buy and GameStop put out uh, uh, statements this week saying that they would be lack, uh, relaxing their own refund uh, restrictions in order to take copies uh, back from this game. Originally, GameStop was basically turning around people and directing them to uh, CD Projekt's email <laughs> instead but now that they have reversed that and basically are taking refunds as it is so it's yeah as you said it puts the developer in a real bad light uh developer that a lot of people liked and uh for a game that was really hyped up um yeah i saw that xbox even had it own its own cyberpunk 2077 console <laughs> yeah. skin yeah which that works turns out <laughs> well yeah the skin works but the console doesn't so yeah i'm hoping they have patches scheduled for uh, the next two months a big one in january and a big one in february as they previously said sony can always reverse this once those patches hit uh, but the question is, is what's their what's their measurement right it's like what if the patch hits and it's still broken like sony who knows when they're going to be bringing this game back to their store so if you want a speed run to Cyberpunk 2077 get a refund it's maybe no longer possible <laughs> who knows who knows you can still probably do that on Steam Steam has a really lax uh, refund uh, procedure compared to every other storefront they have yeah, a deal where it's playing like on Steam yeah but the PC version apparently is the best version of the game so yeah but you're not going to want to refund it anyways uh, so yeah if you're playing it on a console, I'm very sorry, is basically what I will say. Okay, you PC player over there. <laughs> I'm not playing this game. Are you kidding? I don't I'm care. I'm playing it. Anyway. I hope no one got it for Christmas. I hope I mean, not. Yeah. I didn't put it on my list. We'll see. <laughs> hey, at least you know you can refund it. Hey, I can refund it. <laughs> don't do that. That's 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 a messed up thing to do. Let's <laughs> move on. All right. Did you play anything? Um, I don't think so. No, I don't think I've played any video games. Nope. Um, I started trying to play Just Cause 4. Okay. Because it was the uh, PlayStation Store free mm -hmm. game this month. Yeah. Just Cause. Just Cause. Um, That's I not a 2020 too, I game. I not get too yeah. far to it. It's fine. The open world. It's it's Stuff a very open up. world. Um, as soon yeah. as I figure out how the movement works, I'm sure I'll be good at it. <laughs> but I'm still like in the first act or like the first like two missions. So yeah, not really clear on what you're supposed to do. Not quite. Um, yeah. I kept like trying to jump and use the parachute, but apparently I didn't have it yet. Because mm. like it starts off like, oh, you have it, and then 
the thing where they take everything away. Yeah, it does. And so I was like, it, oh, I must have skipped that. And abilities. I, I saw they took everything away. So I kept yeah. like trying to do the same thing over and over again. I kept dying. I was like, wait, I thought I could do this. I was just able to do this. Why can't <laughs> I not. do this? Nope. <laughs> nope. Well, I think that'll do it. This uh, slightly oh. shorter um, holiday episode hour. is already over. Um, so thank you for joining us here on the Media Boat Podcast. If you want to listen to us, you can do it multiple ways. The video version of this podcast is hosted on YouTube. Go to youtube.com, search Media Boat Podcast, and you'll find our page. Like, subscribe, comment, whatever you want to do to interact with us. Our video versions of our podcast are posted there. If you're an audio listener, you can find the audio version of our podcast on podcast services, such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google Play, um, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all these places and more. This is also where you can enjoy our year-end wrap-up podcast. I talked about talked about a bit at the top of the podcast. Those will be going out to listeners very, very soon. You can also listen to us. Or no, you can also uh, find our content on social media. On Twitter, we're at Media Boatcast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast, and you'll find our page. Like, comment there as well. You can find us on the internet with text, mediaboatpodcast.com. And if you want to email us questions, comments, feedback about the show, mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com is that email address. So for the meantime, we will be gone, but we will be back next week with another traditional Wednesday episode of the podcast, post-Christmas. We also have those year-end wrap-up shows that are on the podcast feeds if you want more of us during this uh, holiday week. But from the Media Boat Podcast to you and yours... Have a wonderful Christmas week if you celebrate Christmas. Uh, Have a wonderful uh, holidays whenever you celebrate. And we'll see you on the other side next week. We'll be back with our thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984 and Soul. And whatever else decides to pop up. And we'll have Christmas thoughts and kind of that'll be our last episode for the year. I believe week. so. I believe next year. Yeah, that will be it for 2020 in yeah, the can. The, the 30th. So, that will so be, yeah. So thank you for listening to the penultimate episode <laughs> of season five. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Weird to say, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> All right. Bye. Goodbye. Hey,